Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Good morning. The uh, chapter of Tanya in the leap year for the 22nd of the first Adar is the entire chapter 31. A beautiful, beautiful chapter. If I may say so, a little bit on the long side, but then again, I don't write it, I just try and teach it. So buckle your seatbelts. Chapter 31 comes out of chapter 30, which talks about humility, that we have to be humble before all, and takes us into chapter 32. Because in this division of the leap year, the day following chapter 31, we begin making our way very slowly, as is the style in the leap year division, through the very important chapter 32. So chapter 31, he says, af im lahamik Even if he will meditate at great length, about the above, kisho ushtayim, an hour or two, li where he will be, his mood will become benemichas ruach, he'll experience a humbling of the spirit, veleiv nishbar, in a broken heart, okay, what's wrong with that? The problem is that he might, yovay, come, lide atzvaz gedola, he may become very depressed from this, because here we are, we're talking to a Benini. He's a good guy. He doesn't sin, but he wants to sin. We were a little tough on him in the past chapter, telling him he's worse than a sinner. And you know what? It's true, because he still desires these desires. What good will it do if one meditates in that direction and one will emerge from his period of meditation, depressed. We learned earlier in the very beginning of Tanya, depression is never good. Says the Alter Rebbe in chapter 31, she should not be concerned about it. It's okay. The Even though sadness comes from that translucent husk and shell called the white shell, which means it's not holy, it's from the everyday life, which could be used for holiness or unholiness. For example, when somebody is sad because he should be sad, he's in mourning, he had a real loss, he's sad because he sinned. Sadness in and of itself is not a terrible thing. But it could lead to a terrible thing. And here in this chapter, as we will learn, the Alter Rebbe will distinguish between two feelings, two experiences. One is sadness, which comes from the Noga, meaning it's like everything else in life. It could be good or bad. If somebody is sitting Shiva, God forbid, and they're very sad, Hopefully they will emerge out of this. As the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, spent a year talking about 
Vehachai Yiten Elibai after the passing of his Rebetzin, Rebetzin Chayamushka, he spent a year talking about how the living must take to heart all of the good qualities of the person who passed away and implement and do and build and construct and move forward. So sadness could bring us to a forward motion in life. Or there is a bad sadness, which is not even called sadness. What's this negative sadness called? There's a word for it. It's depression. Depression is never good because depression comes from impurity and depression leads to sin. And as we will learn later, that's the litmus test. If it leads to joy and mitzvahs and Torah scholarship and growth, then it's sadness and it could be okay. If it leads to sin, then it's depression and it's unacceptable. Back to his thought process. Even though this sadness comes from the noga, the translucent, the power of energy, not from holiness, because even sadness is not from holiness. Because on the side of holiness, the verse tells us, describing holiness, oz vechedva bimkomo, there is strength and joy in his place, Hashem's place, or an expression of our sages. The divine presence only dwells when there's joy. So also, if we want to come to the correct law, we need an attitude of joy, etc. So what could be good about sadness? If it's from heavenly matters, a person is sad that he sinned, it comes from the good within the power of husk and shell. Parenthesis. Therefore, the great Rabbi Isaac Luri, a blessed memory, wrote, that even worry and concern for serious sins are not appropriate. Only when one is in a special Appointed time of confession and meditation. But not in the middle of prayer. Certainly not in the middle of Torah study. Because both prayer and Torah study must always be in a setting of joy which comes from holiness. And we learned this earlier in the series of chapters about depression. Beginning with chapter 26 that there has to be certain times set aside to meditate about our negative qualities. But outside of these designated times, we can never go there. So again, the thought before the parenthesis, if the sadness comes from heavenly matters, it comes from the good in Noga, Afalpike nevertheless, Harekachi Amido, even though it comes from Noga, which is not holiness, not necessarily holiness. This, in fact, however, is the approach, the attitude to subjugate negativity with its own species, with its own likeness. So if negativity is all about sadness, sometimes the negativity needs some sadness. As our sages 
of blessed memory have said, talking about the fact that an axe, a hatchet, an axe, is used to chop down trees. The handle of the axe is always wood. Now that's pretty ironic. You use a wooden handle to chop trees. Say our sages, From the forest itself, you take the axe, or, and you fell it, or he met his equal. So sometimes we need to meet our equal. Therefore, sometimes sadness is appropriate. Regarding this, it says, There's an advantage to every sadness. What could be the advantage of sadness? We learned earlier. The only advantage to sadness could be the joy and the re-energies, the, the energy, the positive energy flow that follows, as we will explore a little bit further. And here's where the Alter Rebbe begins to distinguish between sadness, which comes from Noga and could be good, and depression, which comes from impurity and is never good. Ach, be'emes, in truth, ein lev nishber, a broken heart, and the embitterment of the soul, because the person realizes that the soul is distant, from the countenance of Hashem, from the energy of the countenance of Hashem, that the soul became enclosed in the other side, this realization, this feeling, which brings about sadness. The truth is that this experience, this feeling, is not at all nekroyim called b'shem atzvus klal beloshen akedish. This is not called depression in Hebrew. The word for depression in Hebrew is atzvus, atzvut, atzev. I'm sorry. The word for sadness in Hebrew is atzvut. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm tired. Let's go back again. Because the word for depression in Hebrew is atzvus. Ki atzvus he, because atzvus meaning depression, the definition of that is shelibay mitumtum ka'evan, where his heart is closed up, is blocked, is hardened like a stone. Ve'ein chayes bilibay, there's no vitality entering into his heart. So that is bad. Because that leads to negativity. Avol, however, meridus, the word he uses here is bitterness. Veleiv nishmer in a broken heart. Adarab, on the contrary. Harayesh chayiz belibay. When a person is embittered and has a broken heart, he has energy, has vitality in his heart. Lehi spoil where he becomes excited. Ulihi smarmer becomes embittered. But it is energy which comes from holy, negative energy. Holy, H-O-L-Y, severe energy. And joy comes from kindness. Because the human heart has the energies of severity on the left and the energies of joy on the right. So the bitterness that a person feels 
from true regret of sin is not necessarily a bad thing. It comes from the severity of holiness. And sometimes, we need to awaken. The level of of the holy energies of severity, in order to sweeten the judgment, the negative energies, which in our own instance would refer to the judgment calls of our own animal souls, the eight Sahara and our own evil inclination, when God forbid, they begin to rule over man. When we feel that our godly soul has lost control and our animal soul has taken control. Because the best place to sweeten severe energy is in the source of the severity. So we need severity to sweeten severity. Therefore, Omer Razal, our sages of blessed memory, have said, A person should always get his good inclination angry at his evil inclination. Whenever he sees that he needs a good yelling at in his own head. Ah, however, the best time, the most appropriate time, which is the designated time and best time for most people, is at a time when he's challenged with worldly trials and tribulations in any event. Or, without any apparent cause, when a person finds himself sad, that would be an appropriate time. To overturn of the sadness, that he should become of the people of accountings, Hanal, to take a spiritual accounting. Well, the Kayyaman to fulfill Maimar Azal, the teaching of our sages, is a person should always get his good inclination angry at his evil inclination. Kanal, as explained earlier. And through this approach, he can rid himself of the sadness of worldly matters. And therefore, if you'll go about this correctly, Yahweh, he will come, Lide Simcha Amitis, to a state of true joy. The Hainu meaning, Shazais Yashivelibe, this is what he should tell himself, Lenachme, to comfort himself, Bikiflayim, in a double measure. Achar Hadvarim, Viho Emesoe Lahanal, after having this honest talk with himself, Lamar Lilibe, he should then comfort himself and tell his heart, Emes Hukain, it's true, but he suffered without a doubt. That I am at the ultimate state of distance from Hashem. And I have reached a level of lowliness and abomination because I desire all of these things which I desire. Chulu, etc. However, who is desiring it? My animal soul, my evil inclination is desiring it. It's not the real me. Achkol zehu ani it's only me, meaning the body, with the vital soul which energizes the body. but nevertheless, there's another side to me. Yesh there exists within me, he should say to himself, Hashem, a part of Hashem, Mamish, literally, this part of Hashem, this 
energy, the spark of Hashem, this chunk of Hashem exists. Even in the most worthless of worthless of Jews. She kiss, which refers to the godly soul, imnitsuts elokus mamish hamalubash bo, with the spark of godly energy literally enclosed in it, the pintalayi, the spark of Yiddishkeit, the spark of the Jew, lachyeso, which vitalizes it, that godly spark. So if I have such a vibrant, vital, godly spark, why am I thinking of sin? Because that godly spark is in a state of exile. Vim Cain, he should tell himself, in that case, if so, Adarab, on the contrary, the more distant I am from Hashem to the ultimate distance, the Hatiyuv, and all of the abomination and levels of negativity that I have reached, should be. That all places my godly soul in a greater state of exile. And there's a terrible pity. One should have a terrible compassion for my neshama, for my godly soul. And therefore, I will now devote all of my energy and all of my desire to bring it forth, to cause this godly spark to ascend from the state of exile. Lahashiva to cause this godly spark to return. El base avia kinura. He's using here the imagery of the princess returning to her father's house as she was in her father's house in her youth. That's the neshama, the soul. Kaidem shenislapsha begufi before she became enclosed in my body. Where my soul was incorporated and one with the energy of Hashem, and fused with him, in an ultimate fusion. And therefore we tell ourselves, so also now, she will be incorporated and one with Hashem, when I place all of my energies in Torah. And it's mitzvahs, lahalbish to enclose bahen, in Torah and mitzvahs, kol eser pchinaser, can now all ten of its components. Or befrat, most especially, this very central mitzvah, which I will focus towards, is be mitzvah's tefillah, the mitzvah of prayer. Litzek el Hashem to cry out to God, batzarla, as my soul feels that it is being kept imprisoned, migalusa, in its state of exile, bigufi in my body, amashukats. My body is detestable. God knows what a body wants. Laitzia, praying to God to draw forth my soul, mimazga, from its state of imprisonment, oledofka, and to allow my soul to cleave to God Almighty, vizuhi, and this, Journey, which we just described, would be exactly pchinas, the level of tshuva, of returning to God. Umasim and good deeds. Shein masim These are the good deeds which the person perpetrates. Kedei lahoshiv chelak Hashem in order to restore that chunk, that part of Hashem, lemekedo shrosha, to its root source, to chalaman in all worlds. And this should be the service of man 
all of his life, with a great state of joy, which is the joy of the soul, when the soul emerges from the imprisonment of the body, which is so abominable, and the soul will return like the princess to her father's house, to the palace as it was in her youth. The Jew accomplishes that at the moment of Torah study and at the moment of service of Hashem. As our sages say, that the greatest goal and yearning of a Jew should be to be all of his days in a state of tshuva return. Why the joy? We're talking about emerging from a state of imprisonment. You want to know what joy is? Joy is when a POW is released. There is no greater joy than the joy which one feels when one emerges from a state of exile and captivity. Commercial using the analogy, the imagery of Ben Melech, of the prince, the son of a king, who was in captivity. The bad guys got him. And he was chained to a grindstone, to a millstone, and he's grinding wheat there for years. He's caked with mud, the mud and the blood and the beer. And he emerges into freedom. To his father's household, to his father's Ponderosa, to his father's palatial grounds. Amelach the king. So now the picture, the imagery is the filthy, mud-caked prince is running towards his father in the elegant, regal, palatial grounds. Even though the body is standing in its full state of filth and abomination. The Holy Zohar describes what our bodies can sometimes lead us to, or want to lead us to. The Holy Zohar gives an analogy describing the body, taking the analogy from the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, as a serpent skin. Mashka de chivya, a skin of a serpent. That's where the body wants to go sometimes. Why? Because despite the fact that we're talking to a Benini, who is perfect in his thoughts and speech and deed, but the essence of the animal soul, was not yet transformed to good and may never be. To be incorporated, and holiness. So what's the joy? Nevertheless, of his soul should feel precious in his own eyes, to celebrate its joy, more then the miserable body, it's not appropriate. Using the imagery of the sullied, dirty, mud-caked prince running towards his father, the last thing he thinks about is the fact that he's sullied and mud-caked because he has finally been liberated. So this is true liberation. Now the Alter Rebbe says and shares with us one of the most powerful messages in Tanya. This level, 
This would be literally emerging from our own private captivity, emerging from Egypt, exodus from Egypt. What does it say in the story of the Egyptian exodus? It says the people ran away. Why did they have to run? The, the story is that throughout, Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, asks Pharaoh, let my people go and serve their God in the desert for three days. And he never changes it to we're out of here and we're never coming back. And the question is why? That was Pharaoh's accusation at the beginning of B'Shalach. Ki He says, hey, you guys were supposed to be back in three days. You're AWOL. And he took the armies and started chasing them. This is strange. To the Chayda Hutumua, the Alter Rebbe, the author of Tanya, poses this powerful question. This seems to be astonishing. Why was it designed this way? That Moshe, up to the end, said to Pharaoh, we're going for three days. Let me ask you a question. If they had said to Pharaoh to send them free, Chavshi free la'olam forever, if Moshe, the Jewish people in the ninth inning, would come to Pharaoh after the plague of the firstborn and say, we're out of here, we're never coming back. Would Pharaoh have any choice? He was beaten. So why didn't he? Ella, the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. Nay, the reason is it had nothing to do with Pharaoh. Because the evil within the souls of the Jew, was at full strength. In the left ventricle of the heart. This is what we call in modern vernacular the slave mentality. They couldn't liberate themselves of thinking like a slave. What do they say nowadays? You can take man out of the ghetto. You can't take the ghetto out of man. It's a ghetto mentality. It's a slave mentality that the Jewish people were suffering from. Because that film of filth, of impurity, was not removed until they stood at the foot of Mount Sinai at Revelation. I believe he means when the Torah was at the foot of Mount Sinai, their desire was for their godly soul to come forth from the exile of impurity. As it says, Hashem Uzi, God is my strength, and Uzi and my protection, Omanusi and my place of refuge, in a difficult day, in a day of Tzuris. Mizgab Yumanusi, my protector, my place of refuge will honestly, and he will protect me. Therefore, Laosid in the future, in Messianic days, when God will remove the spirit of impurity from the world, Ksivit says, the Jewish people will not run away, they'll walk slowly. They won't escape. They won't escape. They're not going to rush. They're going to go with their heads held high slowly. That's the process of tshuva. 
In order for this level of tshuva to be with greater strength from the depth of the heart, and the joy of the heart of the soul should be with additional energy and joy. When he takes to heart the knowledge and understanding, to comfort him from his sadness and his anguish, saying as above, it's all true that I am in a serpent skin. But God, remember, I didn't create myself. You created me. Why would God have done this? To take a chunk, a parcel of God's energy, which fills the Savior and hovers about Kolam in all worlds, and everything is insignificant to him. Why did he take this neshama, the soul, the spark of godly energy, and clothed it in a serpent skin? Another negative description of the human condition is a rotten drop of semen. Because that's what happens to the semen. It rots. It rots. That's what the human being is. Because if the human being, if the semen would not have fertilized, if the sperm would not have fertilized the egg, what would happen to it? It would rot. That's the human being. Ein zeh, therefore, this enclosement of this lofty soul into this serpent skin body, this is only with the intent, that this descent should bring about a greater ascent. To cause to ascend to Hashem. The entire vital soul, which comes from the Noga Huskin shell, the Cholabusha, along with its garments. Both its thought, speech, and deed. What would be the vehicle? To cause this body to enclose itself in the garments of Torah. As he talks later about how this ascent works, in great detail. How the fact that the Jew, with his soul invested in a serpent skin, should engage in Torah and mitzvahs, should bring about a dwelling for God here in this world. That's what creation is all about. And now in the closing words of chapter 31, he says, so he says to himself, as he's having this talk with himself, in that case, I'm making a resolution. From now on, this is what I'm going to do. This will be my entire aim and my entire raison d'etre, my goal for the rest of my life. Whatever I have, the life of my spirit, and my soul, I'm going to move towards fusing with God through his Torah and mitzvahs. As it says, Hashem to you, Hashem, nafshi, my soul, as I will uplift thy new. Literally, what does it mean? Let's translate. I will endeavor to bond my thoughts in my speech with his thoughts and his speech. Who's? God Almighty. 
In simple terms, this means the law of Torah, halacha, set out before us. So also, my garment of deed, my body will engage in the deeds of mitzvahs. It is for this reason, nikras, hatayra, that the Torah is referred to as an energy which meshivas, nopesh, restores the soul. Pirish, where does it restore it to? To its source, or to its root source. That it liberates and restores the soul to the essence of Hashem. Regarding this it says, The commandments of God are upright. They bring joy to the heart. End of chapter 31.